0: On this episode, you will learn how to pay less payroll tax for an online business owner. Are your workers really W-2 employees? We dive into which states are toughest against 1099 contractors. And we finish off with 11 ways to reduce your payroll taxes. As always, if this episode helped you or brings you value, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Matt Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. So before I kick off, I want to say sorry if you're an avid listener. We did miss last week, and the, the main reason for that is technical difficulties. I am not too... Tech savvy, and we're launching an in person version of this. So, for those who are unaware, I'm based in Las Vegas and it's becoming a pretty big fitness hub here. And not just that, you know, a great a lot of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are moving here. A lot of them live in California, things like that. And there's also a lot of really business friendly things here in Nevada, one of which being there's no state taxes. Long story short, we're trying to get some of the entrepreneurs that I'm friends with or know to come in here to the office and do in person. Unfortunately, when our first guest was here last week, we had difficulties getting the audio to work. So so we unfortunately didn't have a chance to do a solo to make up for it. So uh, I apologize for us missing last week, but we're getting back on track. We'll do another test run later this week of the technology. Hopefully we're good to go. But for those who are new, uh, welcome. I want to Briefly go over the two show formats that we offer here. Uh, The first one is like today. It's a solo episode where we can go in-depth on specific areas of finance, tax, wealth management, and hopefully go deep enough that we can actually give you some tactics and things to explore with the professionals in your life. Or if you're a DIYer, hopefully we can go deep enough to put you on the right direction. Uh, The other type is what we tried to do last week where we bring on a guest, either they're an entrepreneur in your similar fitness space or the online business community or they help like myself they help support those communities whether they do sales marketing whatever it is obviously we do finance and tax but um so those are two show formats but as you are tuning in today you know that this is a solo episode and we're talking about the employee classification and there's there's two things that I want to go into before we give you some suggestions, but it, it's the classification is more important. I did an episode about this a long time ago. I think it was a long time ago. I should have had this ready, but episode 48, this was last August. I explained the difference between like an employee and a contractor. I'm going to do a brief recap of that right now, but what I want to take the beginning part is to get you to understand that it's not up to you whether somebody's an employee or contractor. There's specific rules at both the federal level and the state level. Unfortunately, you probably need to default more to the state level, especially if you're in a liberal state, because again, yeah, I'm not trying to make this political, but the reality is states like California, even Nevada adopts California's rules where they're stricter, meaning you might pass the federal test that like your your workers would be legally independent contractors, but at the state level, that might you might fail the state test, and they are not 1099, they're W2. And that was a big case you heard people talking about over the last few years. Um, I believe it was like Uber and Lyft in California were forced to be able to, they were not independent contractors, whereas you can be an Uber driver in a bunch of states and you are an independent contractor. So I'm gonna go over what, Some of those tests are specifically the California one. And then if you're sitting here listening, saying, oh, crap, like some of my workers or my junior coaches or whoever, um, they might actually be employees. The original episode was to get you to think like whether they're an employee or a contractor. So you can go back again, listen to episode 48. There's a much deeper dive into the tests that I'll give a brief overview of today. But this episode's main purpose is for you to say, all right, if you do need to classify them as W-2 employees, what are some things you can do to add incentives to their plan that is not taxable to them and it's still a write-off for you? The reason for that is when you pay... This, so let me back up before we go into all this. The reason that as an employer or as like an entrepreneur... The reason you want your employer workers, I going to try to use the term worker versus employer, employee, but not because employee in this context is actually very specific. It means they're W-2 paid versus a contractor, they're 1099 paid. So I'm going to call them a worker just to be able to tow that line in the middle for us. At well, least that's the goal. So if I say the other one by accident, I apologize. I'm trying to use the term worker. But the reason it's important that we Properly categorize your worker as an employee versus a contractor because the contractor you 1099 them, which as the employer, that's kind of the best because you get 100% write off for them and you're not paying payroll taxes for them because when you put someone on payroll, there's payroll taxes. And so, for as a rule of thumb, there's probably a 10% uptick on what you actually pay them. And it might be even more than that if you, depending on the benefits you offer, because you have to offer them to all your employees that are full-time. So there's a bunch of rules that come in. Like if you have already set up your solo 401k, an employee could mess that up for you, depending on how many hours they work. So there's a lot of reasons as employers, we love having independent contractors. But that being said, even if you and your worker were like, hey, it'd be really great if I was a 1099 contractor, and you're like, yeah, that'd be great for me too. Let's do it. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. A mutual agreement by the worker and the employer does not supersede the rules that the federal government has and your state has. So that's the one thing why I wanted to bring it up. So like, if you're listening and you say, it sounds like, and you obviously this isn't legal advice <clears throat> and these employee classifications are kind of tough because they really do sit in the middle of tax and legal. So the IRS can give you all the guidance, but an employee, um, employee and attorney, uh, would really know the, the ins and outs because it does get very gray in certain areas. Um, and again, go back to episode 48 for the details there. But the main goal here is after you decide if you think you have a, an employee, what are some things that you could offer your employee that are not payroll related, that would be a tax-free benefit to them, meaning it's not income to them, which is good for you. It's still a write-off for your business, and it's got a monetary value to them. So before we get into it, here's the Strict California three-part test that they, they run you through. And I'm also going to read off for you the, uh, directly from the DOL so first i'll read california's because they're actually no sorry i'm going to read off the dol because it's it's kind of helpful i think so on the left side of the dol website and while i'm thinking of this i'm going to include this in the show notes because one i think it's helpful and two i want you guys to understand um the dol which is the department of labor they're aggressive with this and it's very easy to get in trouble because Well, one, they have like a whistleblower program. I actually had a former client who was in the uh, construction space and he was paying most of his workers under the table, which was a win-win for everybody in that he wasn't paying payroll taxes and they weren't, well, they were kind of probably, I don't know if they were declaring their taxes or not, but they were getting their money without any withholding. And so one disgruntled worker left there one day and called the DOL and the DOL takes this very seriously. And came in and audited him and it was a a big mess. But so, and his, this was not a humongous company. So I want to make that to be clear to you guys, like they're not going to just go after the whales. Um, It's not hard for people to get in trouble for doing this. And the penalties and fines are pretty extensive because depending on what you've already, what you should have been paying them could be your penalties. So just to not scare you, but to get you aware of it, if you're a very successful business and you're, and you're paying your people very fairly, which you may be doing, and that's awesome. But if they come in and say, well, you actually, these were employees, these were not contractors, and you've been sitting there not paying them that way. So there's all this uh, withholdings and payroll taxes that you've not been paying. And maybe you've been maxing out your solo 401k for years. Well, those retirement plan contributions, you would have had to have put some into them as well because they were technically employees. So if they really want to come after you, you could end up owing back retirement contributions, penalties on that money, penalties and interest on the back taxes. So I'm not trying to scare you, but it's it can get very expensive to stick your head in the sand and avoid when you're like, ah, I want this person to be a contractor. And I get it. As business owners, we wish everybody could be a contractor, but you have to do it right so here's on the left side of this column it's the employee and on the right side of this website it's independent contractor so employee they're going to just side by side compare them employee working for someone else's business an independent contractor running their own business those are pretty obvious but they're going to get a little bit more um helpful Um, use employee you and i'm going to skip around because some of these are not as helpful But employee uses employer's materials, tools, and equipment. Independent contractor provides their own materials, tools, and equipment. This is a big one. Employee typically works for one employer. Independent contractor works for multiple clients. So if you've got a a junior person in your business, are they only working for you? Ask yourself that question. Even if they're part-time, are they only working for you? Next one. Again, this is going to be critical for people in that situation. Employee continuing relationship with the employer, independent contractor, temporary relationship until projects completed. Now, before I continue, I just wanna say that it's not, it's not like one of these is is the, uh, the final say, it really is like the, the full picture. This is another big one for you guys, especially if you have a team that you're in control of, employee, employer decides when and how the work will be performed, independent contractor, Decides when and how they will perform the work. So that's an important one because if you're running a business where you basically tell people what to do, when to be there, how the work should be done, you, you're pushing towards you're pushing away from the independent contractor world. And then the last one is very similar: employee employer signs the work to be performed. Independent contractor decides what work they will do. So again, it's not one of those. It's really a combination of all of it that that determines it. So like everything with the government, it's intentionally vague and you got to walk the line. So now let me read California's. And again, I go in much more depth in episode 48. In California, they call it the ABC test. And a few states, including Nevada, have adopted this. So if you're listening here in Vegas, um, this is going to apply to you. We have stricter rules here. And so let me dive in. So the first one is the worker is free to perf- this would make them an independent contractor. The worker is free to perform services without the control or direction of the company, meaning you're completely free from organizational control both in contract and agreement. So again, that was what we talked about before like if you're being told, if you're telling your people what to do, it's a good chance that they're especially in states like California, Nevada that you're getting closer to the The W 2 employee. Number two, the workers performing work tasks that are outside the usual course of the company's business activities. So, an example would be a lawyer working for a fitness company doing X, Y, or Z contract work. They would much more easily make the argument I'm just a contractor here. Like, I'm not a fitness coach for a fitness business. I am outside of the scope doing a project. The third one, the worker is customarily engaged in an independent, established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as that involved in the work performed, meaning they're engaged in business or profit in the open market. So if they're working for other people, doing, doing this type of labor for other people, then it's much more easy to make the argument that your worker is a contractor because they're not just working for you. So again, that's the the California. So we spent 15 minutes or so going into those. Now let's dive into what these are called fringe benefits. Because now you might be saying to yourself, okay, my worker is likely an independent contractor. Or sorry. Yeah, sorry. My worker is currently an independent contractor, but it sounds like we need to bring them in Put them on payroll and pay them the equivalent in terms of like a salary so like what's that going to cost me so obviously you're going to in theory if you're paying them like a hundred thousand dollars as a 1099 then in theory you're going to pay them around that as well but i want to offer a few ideas to you before you start this conversation because there's a lot of things that you can offer as an employer that have a monetary value but Again, for you, it's a deduction in your, it's a tax write-off and it's less money that is getting subject to payroll taxes. And then conversely for your employee, it's not taxable income to them, which is a win-win for everybody. So let's dive into uh, a few of these. The first one, again, these are called fringe benefits. And I specifically wanna bring this up that I'm talking about the employees because it gets a little more complicated for you listening that you are the employee because you're an S Corp. Because you're the owner, a lot of these don't apply to you. Meaning if you try to do this for yourself, it's actually taxable. But talk to your tax advisor or your accountant specifically for your business. I want to highlight this can be your, your thought process as you negotiate with your team as you bring them on as W2 employees so that it can be a win-win. So here's the first one, health insurance. So if you pay the premiums for your team. That's 100% write-off to you for their, their monthly health insurance premiums. And it's not taxable income to them. So that could be extremely valuable in terms of dollars. Now, I'm going to give you guys a, a ballpark on some of the dollar figures here. But obviously, depending on your state, depending how old they are, depending on how many people are in their family that you're paying for coverage for, this could be a... $200 a month benefit to a $2,000 a month benefit for your team member. So you can just do the math on that, where if you're like, OK, it's it's on the higher end. Let's say it's cut cut that difference in half. Say you're paying $1,000 a month for somebody. If you're about to pay them $100,000 a year, you have the opportunity in that scenario to say, well, I'll pay you $88 and 100% medical. Again, I'm not going to get into the tax benefits, but just know there's actually some benefits to them as well. When like, there's a reason that people like the bigger companies offer a bunch of benefits because it it's a benefit for you and the employee, because if you've heard other episodes or just anyone who talks about taxes, the down, the one downside to the Trump tax code was as we loaded up on a bunch of cool perks for us, the business owner, a lot of things were taken away from the employee. So anyone who's a business owner, we're like, well, that's, it's good for us. We got a bunch of perks, but a lot of regular employees lost some perks. So this is potentially how you help them get it back: is because you eat some of it, and maybe you reduce their their wages. Again, that's why it might be harder to take someone's wages away, but have this conversation with people because there might be something they're paying that I bring up on this list that they're paying for out of pocket that they're getting no no benefit for. And so if you provide it for them, then that's less money that they need to pay out of pocket. And if you pay them less money in wages, that lowers their tax bracket potentially, that lowers your tax, your payroll tax bill, and you still get the write-off. So a lot of mutual benefit here, but obviously you're you're the one paying for it. So it's not necessarily a benefit to you if you do these on top of their salary, but if you do it somewhere in the middle, or if, you we're going to give them a raise and this is when you bring it up. I'll leave that all up to you guys, but I just want to give you the bullets that when you're negotiating with people or you're giving them the quote-unquote bad news that they're not a contractor that that they actually are an employee and this is what you have to start doing. You can come at it knowing how you can offer a bunch of services to make them happier. Or just realistically, if you're in a competitive environment and you really like your team, these are the types of things like golden handcuffs, for lack of a better term, that employee benefits have a lot of value to people. The second one on the list, first one was health insurance. Second one is adoption assi- assistance. That may not be applicable to a lot of people on your team, I don't know, but if you're gonna help them pay for an adoption, then up to $15,000 could be non-taxable. This one could be potentially more, depending care assistance. So if you're helping them with their dependents, up to $5,000, you could provide them, non taxable to them, and a write-off to you. Again, $5,000, if you're like just mentally doing the math here, if that's 5000 less, then you can pay them in salary and pay, give them this benefit. If you're one of your team members has kids, that might be extremely valuable. Next one is education assistance, up to 5200 So again, if that's a value, and I'm not going to go into the details of somehow these work, if they're something that triggers you to think that's helpful, talk to your tax advisor or reach out to us. This one's a little bit cool. Um, Doesn't apply to most people I know, but athletic facilities, it has to be on your premises, but if you offer people basically a a gym membership that's on your uh, facility, then that's a non-taxable benefit to them. So that's kind of cool if you have your own gym, but for most people that, You can't give the membership to their favorite gym, unfortunately. Life insurance. If you offer group life insurance, up to $50,000 worth of death benefit in terms of the premiums can be a write-off and not taxable to them. That also might be valuable depending on who you talk to because sometimes in the group world, the underwriting is different than in the individual world. So if you have someone who's unhealthy, you might be able to offer them a a bit of a life insurance that they might not be able to get on their own. The next one is health savings account contributions. So people might be somewhat familiar with these, with like the flexible savings accounts, the FSAs that a lot of employers offer. Health savings accounts can offer similar in that you can make the contributions. Which right now it's in 2023 for an individual, it's just under thirty nine hundred. It's thirty eight fifty. Again, contribution for them, not taxable, and a write-off for you. Now, this does not apply if you are the owner. You can't do this for yourself. Like I said, for a lot of these, if you're the owner, they don't apply to you. But for your staff, this is a really nice one, especially because, in my opinion, this and the health insurance are two major things that you're helping them with because... I don't have the specific stat on this, but I think I heard the number one reason people declare bankruptcy might be because of like medical bills, or or maybe the number one reason people raid their retirement accounts, stuff like that. I forget the specific details, but medical expenses hurt people's finances more than most things, like unexpected medical bills. So the fact that you're able to give someone this money as a tax-free benefit to them, and unlike the flexible account, the FSA. And HSA is theirs forever. So, I mean, maybe as a employer, you don't love that, but that's between you and them. But for them, it's phenomenal. And for yourself, if you're listening to this, if you don't have or haven't talk, thought about a health savings account for yourself, that's one of the biggest perks is that it's not use it or lose it. You can put that $3,800 away. And if knock on wood, 2023, no medical expenses, you're healthy, you're good, then you have that money starting in 2024, it's still there for you, and you can actually invest it and do all that cool stuff so that if you go years and years without any medical issues, that money could be investing, compounding, and then the event that a medical event does arise for you, you can start making those withdrawals then, and it's a tax-free withdrawal as well, as long as you use it for a qualified medical expense. Next one meals that are on premises you can provide these for your for your team as well so if you're working late things like that you're providing dinner these could be valuable perks for people so now the next the next one on the list before i dive into some of the ones that are near and dear to my heart because of my occupation but the the next one is a cell phone allowance So this is pretty cool, in my opinion, because it's not you don't have to provide the cell phone. You can do essentially an allowance or reimbursement for the cell phone. And most people listening will qualify for this because the basic guidelines are that they have to be using the phone for business. So if your team, and I think this is going to work for most people listening, if your team is helping with the social media, which obviously you need a phone for, if they're checking emails or doing something with the clients and it's all on a mobile device, uh, if you have a Slack or something like that, all these things that require a mobile device, then it's a legitimate allowance for to say, like this, this team member needs a cell phone to do the job. So it, it's applicable for those types of online businesses to qualify for this. Okay. Now let's get into some of the more financial side of things. Um, I think these are cool, especially because I help people set set up retirement plans. But the employer contribution to a traditional retirement plan is a tax-free benefit to them at the time and then also a tax deduction for you. So if you're using like a profit-sharing plan and you're giving them their their tax-free employer contribution... That is, for them, that can be part of their compensation package. You can bring that up if you're doing employer match or whatever the case may be. And Again, you can do the math and say, well, we'll put in $10,000, $20,000. We'll help you max it out. Whatever it is, you can run those numbers compared to what the salary would be or should be if you compared it to when they were 1099. But that can be a pretty valuable perk. Um, Now, there's some changes to that since... um, with the new Secure Act, you can actually make contributions to somebody's retirement account in post-tax dollars. So that's slightly different. You will That will be a little bit of a tax perk. But the reality is when you give somebody right now, those employer contributions, like on a match, like the way the big companies do it, when they match you, yes, there's no tax consequences today. But in retirement, there are tax consequences. So if you're employer is fully funded your 401k and you're at some of the major fortune 500 companies those people get these giant 401k plans some of it was your contribution some of it was the companies you personally are going to pay taxes on all of it in retirement so you can still do those same things right now for at the company level so for you if you were contributing on a post tax because now you can do those sorts of cool things for your employees that you can contribute post-tax dollars to them for you, the employer, or you still get the, the write-off, but on their end, they're gonna realize some of that income. So that's slightly, uh, that's a brand new modification as of Secure Act 2.0, which I think the last week of December was passed, but, and I'm recording this in early March, 2023. But just again, as retirement plan and benefits like that can be very dollar valuable because again, you're contributing dollars to people's plans without you personally paying more payroll taxes so that could be your mindset going into it as when you add all this up for your team member you can come up to a a dollar value of equivalent or higher than what you were paying them as a 1099 if if again that's the comparison that we're doing here but you personally are trying to save payroll taxes that's the main goal here is if you're able to like all the things i named if you're able to provide them Twenty or thirty thousand dollars worth of benefits that are not subject to your payroll taxes—that could be a huge win. I mean, that could easily be three, 000, four, 000, five thousand dollars of savings for you, the employer, and the employee is getting the same value in terms of benefits. Like instead of you paying them a hundred, maybe you paid them seventy plus all these benefits. So that's just a hypothetical. And then one other perk for you. Right now, as I'm recording, that's the same thing that that, that uh, Secure Act 2.0. It also um, secured. There was already a part of this, but you get a tax credit for setting up a retirement plan. So this is not a tax deduction. Um, basically, to give you, if you get a tax deduction, that just reduces the amount of money you pay in taxes. So if you have a, if it costs you a thousand dollars to set up your 401k plan for your team and you have, keep the math simple, if you have $100,000 worth of profit, now you get a $1,000 deduction. So now you only pay taxes on $99,000. If you have a tax credit of $1,000, maybe in that $100,000, we're going to say hypothetically that you owed, let's say $30,000 in taxes, just to keep it simple. Instead of maybe owing like twenty nine. dollars nine or something like that, because you get that $1,000 deduction, this tax credit of $1,000 brings you down $1,000 less. So you owe, instead of owing 30, you owe 29. So in that scenario, I didn't make it sound that much different, but tax credits reduce the amount of tax liability that you owe. Tax deductions only reduce your taxable profit. So If that was confusing, just remember tax credits are better. And this is a tax credit. So it's better than the deduction. The last one here that's a non-taxable benefit, I'm going to, before I read it, I'm going to tell you why I think it's important. Financial illiteracy is one of the bigger reasons for lack of productivity at the office space. So I'm going to read you a statistic. I forget what year this is from. I wrote a blog article about this maybe a year or two ago, one in four workers suffer from serious financial distress. That equates to roughly 30 million workers in the US. Of those 30 million, 30 to 80% of them spend time at work worrying and trying to deal with those financial issues instead of working. So you may be very close with the people that work for you. And depending on how much you pay them, you might have a pretty decent idea that they're not um, in a strength, a, a strong financial position. So I've talked about it before; it could be a like literally an employee benefit that you help them with their financial issues, getting them financial literacy, getting them education on what they need. Those retirement planning services. This is not the retirement plan itself that I just talked about but retirement planning and educational services can be a benefit that you provide them, that you pay for, that's not taxable to them. So there are some exceptions to that, like you can't pay for their tax filing, their accounting, their legal bills. If they have a brokerage account, you can't pay for those services, but you can get them all the educational services. Like you, If you have a 401k plan, you can have financial experts come in, talk to your team, that's not considered a taxable benefit to them. Obviously you're paying out of pocket if you bring in somebody. And sometimes if you pick a plan provider who, like they might want people to use the plan because they get paid by the plan for the dollars in the plan. And so that type of benefit is a deduction for you, the business owner and a tax-free perk to them. Now, obviously again, like I said, the last two, uh, I'm a little biased towards because I want people to invest in retirement accounts. Now, one of the things that just to give a little background on my company, and I talked about this on a lot of episodes, I'm agnostic to what people invest in with their retirement accounts. There's something called self-directing, which I talked about on a number of episodes, very specifically episode 32 coming up on a year ago, May 4th, but episode 32... I go really in depth on what self-directing is but essentially allows you to take your retirement vehicles and invest in what you know and love so that can be the stock market that can be crypto that can be real estate it can be notes and debt it can be investing in another online business you can do what you do best and that's one of the things that's cool about listening to guys like alex Harmozzi. he's a big proponent on that as well like invest in your skills invest in what you know like stay in your skill set because if you stay in your skill set your return on your investment is likely going to be the highest and in theory the lowest risk because again you're investing in something that you are an expert in but that's why for me i'm a big proponent on having people be educated on retirement plans because then you can take that money especially if you use the the roth side of things and you can invest that money on a tax-free basis. So just to recap, I'll run through the list really quick again, but my main takeaway throughout this episode was a lot of people listening, you might have workers who you're paying as 1099, and depending on how they service your company, they may actually be W-2 employees by the standards laid out by either the federal government or by your particular state. And if you live in a blue state, Again, I'm not trying to be political, but this is just facts. If you live in a blue state, you probably need to pay more attention to this than those in a red state, just because of the way those are governed at the employee classification uh, definition. So if you don't like that statement, I don't really care. Just do your own homework in the state you live in, especially if you're in California. I already read off Californias, so you know it. I think New York used Cal- Californias as well, but I'm not 100% on that. Uh, and again, if you are on the fence, you should talk to an employment attorney because they can help navigate this for you. And that's really their job. Again, this is not legal advice, but let me run through the list really quick again. And I'm, hopefully this is helpful. If this is something that you want my help with, reach out to us. My Instagram, I'm very active on at the Pat Darby and also uh, my email info at darbyba.com. So the non-taxable fringe benefits for you to help negotiate salary for employees. Quickly, the list goes as health insurance premiums, adoption assistance programs, dependent care assistance, education assistance, an athletic facility on your premises, group life insurance up to 50K of death benefit, health savings account contributions, meals on premises, cell phone allowance or reimbursement plan, 401k or re- retirement plan contributions and setup. And then finally, retirement services, financial literacy services, anything to help your people better navigate financial distress. So hopefully this is this is helpful like as you're navigating this with people, it's complicated. Most people I talk to, they would rather just focus on the business and their clients and their team this is, this is one of the, the less sexy sides of taxes and finances. So hopefully this has been helpful. And again, as always, reach out if you have questions. I know that I can only uh, break this down so much with that with maybe not being super straightforward as much as I try to make it simple. So all right, guys. Hope you have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes.